The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Coming to you from the Carter Subaru Studio. Welcome. Welcome to The Big Show. What a jam-packed afternoon we have for you today, including yesterday we told you about allegations of racism in the Meadowdale High School girls' basketball program. A Hispanic girl who's a sophomore says she was not placed on the varsity because of racism, that the coach has removed kids of color to put white kids on the team. Nothing in this kid and her dad's story rang true with me. I said that yesterday. I checked out a little bit more about these uh, this kid and her basketball skills. Uh, today... Another parent of that Meadowdale girls basketball program is going to join me at 12.30 this afternoon to say that the accusations of racism are nonsense. So we will talk about that, give you an exclusive look at a story that's starting to make some national headlines, sadly. So we'll talk about that coming up at 12.30 this afternoon. But with that as mere prelude, let's get right to the big lead. The Big Lead, Bizarro World. So last night, I'm watching the Twitter, and I see that our Attorney General, Bob Fergie Ferguson, had pushed out a tweet. And I was thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Because here's what's happening, and we're going to hear a lot of this over the next couple of years. Bob Fergie Ferguson and Dow Constantine desperately both want to be the next governor of Washington State. They think that after three terms, Jay Inslee will have run his course and he should step aside for one of those young kids in their 60s to become the new governor. And so they're going to be sending out all kinds of press releases trying to tell us how wondrous and great they are. Dow Constantine's been doing that constantly, and so has Bob Fergie Ferguson. So anyway, I'm on the uh, Twitter last night, and I see a tweet from Bob Fergie Ferguson. And it says, I'm going to just read it to you. It says, my DNA forensic genealogy program helped law enforcement solve a fourth cold case in as many months. A murder committed in 1988. I am dedicating new resources toward solving cold case homicides and sexual assaults. We must not give up. Wow, you read that and you think, what a man. What a man this Bob Fergie Ferguson is. He has assembled a DNA forensic genealogy program and Bob Ferguson's forensic DNA genealogy program just solved a fourth cold case murder and then I started thinking about it I was thinking what in the world's a forensic DNA genealogy program I mean it sounds to me like it might just be DNA which is what law enforcement has been working with for decades. So the first thing I do is I go to Google and I just Google DNA or what's the phrase he used again? 
uh, oh yeah, DNA Forensic Genealogy Program. Because I want to find out more about what that is. And then the first thing that pops up on Google, what type of education does a genetic genealogist need to have? Answer, to become a genealogist, there are no educational requirements. <laughs> the best way to learn is to attend workshops, online courses, and conferences. Okay, so I don't know if it's that big a deal. When Fergie says, my DNA forensic genealogy program helped law enforcement solve a murder. Cold case murder. And then he said, I'm dedicating new resources towards solving cold case homicides and sexual assaults. We must not give up. So I'm thinking, well, what kind of resources did Bob Fergie Ferguson assign to the DNA genetic genealogy genetic program? <laughs> Sounds like Joe Biden there. Well, it turns out not one news source picked up his tweet. And his office also sent out a press release hoping that all the lapdogs in the media would just copy and paste from his press release. And the headline, Marysville Cold Case Solved with Assistance from Attorney General's DNA Forensic Genetic Genealogy Program. You know, what's the old saying? If you can't dazzle them with brilliance, then baffle them with... I can't say the rest. But so he was trying to convince everybody in the media that he has created this wondrous program. Well, no, it's DNA testing, which law enforcement said. So what does the attorney general's office have to do with it? So I start reading down in the press release about how they helped solve this crime. The attorney general's program provided $1,241.55. Toward genetic genealogy testing in this case. <laughs> what? So there's DNA testing that every police agency has had for years and years and years. Bob Ferguson tossed in 1200 bucks. Oh, and 55 cents. <laughs> for this genealogy program. And then he can't figure out, why is nobody picking up my press release? Why, why is nobody trumpeting my greatness? Why aren't the Seattle Times and the Yakima Herald, the Spokane Spokesman Review, why aren't they just copy and pasting my press release and telling the world that I, Bob Fergie Ferguson, solved a cold case murder with my DNA genetic genealogy testing program? This is the kind of nonsense we're going to have to deal with. Oh, and believe me, I will be thrilled to call out all of his nonsense and Dow Constein still as they jockey for position to become the next governor of Washington. But I just want you to know, in case you hear anything about the attorney general and what he did, his office provided $1,200 and 55 cents to help police with something every police agency in the country has had for a decade or more. Wow, what a man! Gosh, I hope he's our next governor. (laughs) Well done, Fergie. Up next in The Big Lead. The Big Lead. Your tax dollars at work. 
Then we got this. Are you ready? Uh, I don't know how your pay has done in the last couple of years. I think for a lot of people, I know for a fact that real income is down for the median family in Washington State and in America. If your pay has gone up 3 or 4%, inflation has gone up 8%, so you're losing ground. Well, down in Olympia, some of our public officials, they all want, all the elected officials in the state, they want a raise, pretty decent raise. King 5 covered this story. What will the raises be and who will get them? The governor, Lieutenant Governor Heck, and every legislator would get a 4% raise in 2023. The Attorney General's salary would jump 6.5%. The Supreme Court Chief Justice would get a 7% raise. And the state auditor would see a more than 8% increase. I think the consensus that we saw in the votes anyway is that the salaries have been lagging and they need to be caught up a little bit. Oh, I didn't realize that Jay Inslee and Bob Ferguson's salaries have been lagging. Poor guys. Some are making close to 200 grand. Some are making over 200 grand. Chief Justice of the state Supreme Court is about 230. So they're going to get anywhere from 8,000 to 12,000 bucks a year more once they grant themselves these raises. And they do say, however, they want some public feedback on all of this because maybe if your real pay has gone down, maybe they shouldn't be getting a pay raise right now. As a public servant, it's pretty tough to justify at a time like this taking a pay raise. That's State Senator Ron Muzal, a Republican, who says, no, families are hurting. Inflation is, is crippling a lot of families. And it doesn't make sense to be giving Jay Inslee and Bob Ferguson and other elected statewide officials a pay raise right now. Certainly. Uh, reach out to the to the Salary Commission. It is, they're the ones that make this decision and, and, and they're not impacted by us in the legislature. Okay, but here's my favorite soundbite of all in this King Five story. So why are they giving themselves a pay raise? Is it out of naked greed? Is it because they can? No. You know what they did? They rolled the old woke word dice. And here's what popped up when they said, how can we spin this? How can we tell everybody that we deserve a raise? That's why a constitutional amendment would be wise. Governor Jay Inslee would get a raise, but not as big as the state Supreme Court justices. Everyone elected to serve in Olympia would get a bump in salary next year and in 2024. Lieutenant Governor Denny Heck told salary commissioners last month the raises would make for a more diverse body of lawmakers. What? They're doing it not for themselves, not out of greed. They're doing it for the sake of... Diversity! That's the winning dice roll here. What in the world? Denny Heck said that if they give themselves a raise, it'll add to diversity? Come on. Last month, the raises would make for a more diverse body of lawmakers. What if someone else pop? What, what if uh, instead of diversity, it'd come up with equity? 
Jenny Heck would have told the Salary Council that they were raising their salaries to be more equitable. Or what if the day... Oh, inclusion! Jenny Heck told the board that the reason they needed higher raises was so they could be more inclusive. What does that mean? They're doing it for diversity. They're giving themselves more money for diversity, which is why I say they just roll the woke word dice, and whatever pops up, they'll find a way to sandwich it in. It's just another slap. They think that they think that we are so dumb. DNA forensic genealogy test. No, it's nothing. Pay raises for diversity. Now you just want more money. And the beat goes on. And finally, in the big lead. Finally. In the big lead. Kachung, big lead. Okay, down in Tacoma at a middle school there. There is a frightening video. A 14-year-old girl is thrown to the floor, and she is beaten bloody and senseless by a boy who's about twice her size. This boy is very large. And in the video that other students are just standing by recording, you see the girl on her back. She's trying to kick the boy off of her, and he is just raining punches down around her head, her face, her upper body. Uh, The father of the girl, his name is Jamar Pollard, and he talked to Cairo 7. She had a concussion. She had deep bruising all on the left side of her face. Her eye was half swollen shut. It is a violent attack that, as I said, a lot of kids captured on video. (laughs) And finally, when he just was thrown punch after punch after punch to her head and her face, that's finally when some kid jumps in and pushes him off. But just the, the sight of a large boy at a middle school beating a girl half his size. And according to the dad, the school did not even call 911 or the police. You can't see in in that partial video, but she was slammed against the wall multiple times, just slammed on the ground, kicked in her head. With that kind of head trauma, I would think that an ambulance would be called too. It It wasn't. There's at Baker Middle School, and the dad said he had to eventually call the police themselves. No, they didn't call the police. I had to do that. And they also say this is not the boy's first offense. Other school faculty here have told me that the boy has had other encounters, violent encounters with females, and he's still attending the school. You just wonder what kind of role modeling has this kid had in life if he is capable of throwing a girl half his size to the floor and then just raining punches on her. You wonder if there's a dad. You wonder if there is a dad. Uh, does he role model that sort of behavior? Or is there something else going on in this kid's life? So within seconds is two, three, four, five seconds. The video that you see is 15 seconds, and the assault lasted longer than that video. Yeah, because they didn't capture the very beginning of this assault. And the school officials now say the student, the boy, has been expelled and is no longer in the school. But that's not enough for the dad. I don't know what they're thinking with that statement. That's crazy. So uh, he, he said that they uh, they don't believe 
that or the dad doesn't believe the school would have acted at all if he had not spoken up. So he's thinking about suing. Tacoma police are investigating this as an assault case. Uh, a very troubled kid has been expelled from school. Who knows what's going to happen to him? You wonder about the role modeling that this kid has had, and you just wonder, uh, are we going to treat this like any other assault, which it should be treated as? It's a violent assault by a young man on a girl or a young boy on a girl at a middle school. And that should put you in juvie for a good long time. But we're in the wrist-slapping stage of juvenile justice around here, and that's why so much crime is out of control. And that is your big lead for today. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. All right, we're going to check the news for you. And then allegations of racism in the girls' basketball program at Meadowdale High School. A Hispanic girl and her father say that the coach is getting rid of kids of color and replacing them with white kids on the varsity roster. The father of a multiracial girl says that is absolute nonsense. And he'll give another side to the story next when he joins me here on the Dory Monson Show. Well, if you were listening yesterday to the big show, I told you that in my decade as a varsity girls high school basketball coach, there was always one worst day of the season. It was the first Wednesday of every season because that's when you would tell the girls what team they were placed on, varsity, JV, C team, or not at all. But what I always stressed to the girls was that that placement was for just that day only, that you would have a chance to work your way up from one squad to another. Or if you didn't work very hard, you'd have a way to work your way down from one squad to another. But now it's never about meritocracy in our schools. Everybody thinks that everything is about victimization. At Meadowdale High School, one of the schools that I coached against, they have a new coach. I don't know this guy, but he has been accused of racism because a sophomore girl who's Hispanic, she was a JV player last year. She was a swing player this year, which means mostly JV, little varsity playing time. And she says that this is an example of racism in the Meadowdale Girls High School basketball program. Uh, Leon Daughter is very involved with the program. He's the parent one varsity player, and he joins us here on the Dory Monson Show. Hey, Leon, it's great to talk to you this afternoon. Hey, great to talk to you too, Dory. Uh, you why did you reach out to me? I talked about this yesterday, and then I got a message that you wanted to talk about this. Tell me why. Well, the main reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I actually know the person that's filing the complaint, and I also know the student, since the student actually and my daughter are really good friends, and I know, I've known coached her since fifth grade. Um, you know, it, it, I think a lot of this animosity was has been building up probably since fifth grade where you have a parent who naturally, as any parent, thinks that their child is great. I mean, as a parent... Every parent, no matter what, in any sport, thinks their child is the best because they're their kid. But when it comes down to, in the game of basketball, learning the basics and the fundamentals and growing and growing and practicing get better and better, you know, some kids evolve a little bit differently than others. And I think about last year, um, we had fall league for the high school, which I coach. And, you know, I invited her up to play because we literally had 
we didn't have enough players. Sure. It wasn't where we're trying to do that and do that. And so, you know, she had a little playing time, but she, you know, I came after, after the season, I was, talked to both of them and I'm like, you know, there's a you know, I wish you would shoot more and I, I, you just need to really start working on these other fundamentals to catch up. Um, this last spring, we got a new coach. He was actually the assistant coach last year, Kevin Thompson. He coached under uh, Mari or Ari, who was, you know, Filipino descent. And, you know, I, she was very upset that she got put on JV. Um, she ended up uh, getting a little hurt and then quit last year. Okay. This year, she's played. The whole thing was we told them to play AU ball and all this stuff. You know, all the girls. That's kind of the norm nowadays. And you know, she she plays for a team called SSF. But um, it's basically if you look at the, if is this comparison to NBA versus D League, this is a you know a good team to have if you're not in one of the top near on teams. You know, right. in the state of Washington, so you get playing time doing that. But you know, you're not overly dominating or anything like that. And, so he's, you know, for him, he she played spring the first time. I think the coaches could actually coach their kids and see him. They we didn't have enough, you know, getting players in there, so we invited a lot of extra players to come in and play. And she had one good game and then do that and great, you know. And we were all happy for him. Like, hey, man, you know, keep keep working, you know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what raised a red flag for me, Leon. Her father, and I don't know her dad, and I don't know this kid, but her father, when he was talking to the Everett Herald. He said that uh, she played for this AAU team and that even though she didn't start, he kept score of every game and he kept all the statistics and his daughter was the leading scorer in two of the three games. And right then and there, because I've dealt with a lot of parents over the years, and when I hear stuff like that, uh, it raises red flags for me that somebody's more concerned with, uh, with their kid than they are with whether the kid is in the right place to to be a contributor on a varsity squad yeah I, you know it, what's funny about that you say that is is in sports i think so many parents are imagining the fact that you know they put a lot of time and effort into it and a lot of them think that you know my kid's got a chance to play college my kid got there and you know, the percentages are really low right um but the thing about it is is just because you know if my kid was playing uh uh if i was playing a pickup game and i scored 15 points on, you know, a bunch of out of shape guys and went to the gym and I couldn't score two points. You know, there's a, there's a big difference. Right. You know, um, I, I think the fact that he's not, he's got, he's got to come to terms too. It's the fact that when she has gotten the opportunity to play with the top, it's, there's not a lot happening. You know, like for me, sure. she's a really good kid. It's just, she's physically not as gifted as the other 10 on the team. Right. She, I, I did some uh, research you know, before yeah, I talked all, about this you know, on the air, and I talked yeah, to people all, who know, these... knew this kid's game, and they told me the same thing, that uh, right now she's just not a varsity player. How, how tough is this for you, Leon, to speak out? Because you're going to see this dad, you're going to, you know, you said that this girl and your daughter are friends. How, how tough is this for you to, you know, well, be so brutally candid with me? It's tough for me, for me as a parent, knowing that my kid is friends with her. But my kid doesn't understand what she's talking about. My kid's also biracial. I'm African American. Her mom is 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 Norwegian and Irish. Um, I have another kid that played with her who's black, and her mom's Mexican. Um, and you know, they're all kind of you know they all they've been growing up together, playing together, and it's like basically everybody knows where they're at, except the fact that you have one parent who's saying, "Well, I think she's better than this kid who was all conference or this," and we're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." You know, when it comes down to it, she made the team. She made 
JV but varsity swing. And the varsity swing is like, okay, you play JV, prove yourself. You get to come sit on the bench during the varsity games, and when games get closer, whatever or the opportunity presents itself, you get to get in the game and do that. But for him, he was very upset for the fact that a freshman, who's definitely a lot more talented than she is, had nothing to do with race, made the team. And then uh, we had a transfer student, which nobody knew. The coach didn't even know she was in this. Nobody knew who she was until she showed up the first day of school. Like, whoa, we got her? She's here? She's so, yeah. So at that point, you know, it's like, oh, we know who she is. We played against her at Kings. But she actually left the state and came back and then wanted to play with her best friend after they moved in the Linwood area. Fantastic. You know, so and that's just that's normal basketball. People move all the time. But if you move just for sports or you're trying to get to a team just to win championships, I think that's unfair because I've always given the model. If you're good, they'll find you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't, Without need, to, question. You know, you don't need to go. But at the so, same time, I also know, too, that, yeah, go ahead. Well, so when you see this dad, he knows he will have known that you talked on the radio that you see his daughter very differently. Uh, you have this exact same conversation with him, I assume. You know, so him and I have had an up and down history. So I coached him and his daughter. Actually, he came up and basically when I was coaching, we started a feeder team. My daughter played up and forth because she had never started a feeder team, and she was very out. Of, she was just kind of a chubby kid. I said, you know, I'd like you her to play because we need players. That's our point is to get these kids in the feeder program and develop them so by the time they get to high school, they know their teammates and, and they're where they need to be. But she had a rough first year. Um, at the end of the year, she didn't play a whole lot because, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, and he ended up leaving. So he decided to go to Linwood High School, even though it was in the metal area. And he was telling the feeder program that he was the, ran the, uh, he ran, he was the head of the feeder program. I'll kind of lie a little bit. And then I kind of called up there and says, you know, you know this guy. He goes, well, I know they needed the coach. So you end up coaching their B team. And then the year after that, they basically didn't want him to coach anymore. Okay. I got and then, and then the year, the year after that, I need, we decided to expand it. So I, I gave him another chance. I was like, Hey, I would like for you to come coach a, a B team and you can have your daughter and you can have these other players that we were inviting in and, and you can do whatever you want. Knowing that the fact that they weren't the, 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 the top players. Right. So he was excited about that. And then, then basically he's just started getting upset and upset and upset because he just thinks that his kid's better than she is. And it's nothing to do with the kid. It's just the fact that the talent level is not where everybody else is. I understand. And, and, and he, you're telling me it has, I mean, you you have a multiracial daughter. It has nothing it, to do yeah, with yeah. race because the, the daughter and do the dad are alleging that they are moving uh, out players of color for white kids. Yeah. He was talking about transferring after last year's spring. He didn't like the coach. He didn't like the way he's running the offense. I mean, it was just one of those sport dads that think they know everything that not the coach. And I was trying to tell him, like, you know, every coach is different, and you got to allow them to teach the game. I've always been – I've coached basketball, AU ball, around 20 years. Actually, my my older daughter played against your players at short rest. Yeah. Uh, you know, back when you had, like, Kemp's daughter, one of Kemp's kids there. And uh, I think you guys won the state championship there. And I, you know, I, I played coach guy with Mike Burdett for a while. We had Blue Plenty at Evans Square. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I know him. We yeah. know these. Yeah. So we, we literally, I've been around the system and I know what discrimination is. I know what racism is. I know when people are being unfair. And I know when people are really good people that really care about the kids. This guy's literally, I like, I liked Ari a lot, but he's just basically, once he became coach, he went to his seniors and he's basically, 
I want you to bond with the players. Bring these younger players out. Make them feel part of the program. Talk to them in school. Do these things. You know, he's got them to really organize. Our seniors really organize. Do that. They all like each other. They like her. Well, that's what I hated everything. about this, Leon, is the, you know? You know, the kid you know? is not named. The, the coach is, and everything about this was red flag for me. And I just hated yeah. to hear this coach's name get dragged through the mud when uh, when none of it rang very oh. true with me, having, having been through this a, a time or two myself. Well, one last thing to say. You know, for me, being, um, you know, an African-American in this world, I'm very tired of people utilizing race because they're not getting what they want. And it, what it does is it affects everybody else that really has to go through those real issues. And, and, and then people think they're crying wolf. But then when you have things like this, but when I get one utilize race, it's just a shame. And I just, I don't agree with it. And that's why I'm fighting out here and trying to and say something because I really know what's going on behind the backgrounds of what his cause is and most of the parents of the community too. And I really appreciate your time. I just, I just wish people would stop using race as a catalyst to get what they want and yeah. to stir the pot when There's it's not an issue. Well, Leon, I great talking with you. Appreciate it, sir. Yeah, All you right. too. Bye. Leon Dodder, he's uh, the parent of a kid at Meadowdale High School. He also works with the program in the offseason. He says the claims of racism against the coach are absolutely unfounded. Love to hear your thoughts. You can text me, 888-97-3-CAIRO, 888-97-3-5476. Lots more straight ahead here on the Dory Monson Show. A couple of days ago, I told you about the latest Daffy idea from the Washington State Legislature. They say that they want to address the wealth gap in this state by giving every child who is born to a family that's on Medicaid or Medicare, they would give every child born into that kind of poverty. It's not even poverty, but uh, you can be middle class and still have Medicaid. But they will give those babies $4,000 baby bond. When they are born, and they say, because lawmakers, they introduced the plan last legislative session. They say they want to revive it this session because 40,000 children are born each year under the state's Medicaid program. And so we, the taxpayers, would be giving other people uh, 4000 bucks per baby head if they're on Medicaid. And they say that it's a way to even things out. And the last line in the Seattle Times story is really interesting. Uh, They are talking to a Democratic state rep from Vancouver, Monica Stonier. She says the wealth gap has hit a crisis point. And she said we need to change the trajectory of people's lives. And she said, quote, what other way do you see disrupting generational poverty, she said. Well, a handout does not interrupt generational poverty. I know. I was generationally poor. Uh, What gets an individual out of generational poverty is working their butt off. And I love the response. One of the Seattle Times readers responded to that. A Democratic rep saying, what other way do you see disrupting generational poverty? And one of the Seattle Times commenters, I'm going to read this to you because it's right on. What other way do you see disrupting generational poverty, she said? Well, gee, stay in school, graduate high school. Don't get pregnant until you can afford a baby. 
Get some vocational training. Join the armed forces or other government programs that will provide free college. Get a college degree in something marketable, tech, nursing, etc. I realize self-discipline, sacrifice, and dedication are wildly out of fashion. But they are the keys to success. Perhaps 10th grade should have a class teaching these, in addition to basic homemaking and economic tools, birth control, job abilities, general life skills. Then the Seattle Times commenter goes on to say, My dad was born dirt poor, literally, in the Midwest. His mom died when he was very young. His dad was an unsupportive vagabond. There often was little to no food in their sod house. Worked his way through high school, served through World War II, graduated college, after years of employment, eventually bought his own small business, worked his rear end off. In their early 60s, he and my mom retired financially secure. Self-discipline and hard work can be taught, yield great results. If parents won't do it, perhaps schools should. Not wild about that, but someone needs to do it. That commenter is so right on. If you just take somebody who's born into generational poverty and you say, Here, here's 4000 bucks," that doesn't do a thing to get them out of poverty. But if you have ways to encourage them, and if they can't afford college, join the military. Have the military pay for your college education. Join the Peace Corps. Work, work, work. Get two jobs. Get three jobs. Don't have babies if you can't afford babies. But you can lift yourself out of generational poverty. When the government tries to do it, all it does is it reinforces that the only chance you have is if government gives it to you. And that's why the Democrats push for this. Because they want to keep people enslaved to government they don't want to free people they want people always demanding a handout because that's when the democrats feel like they are at their most powerful great comment by the seattle times reader who posted that well done okay quick time out we're gonna check the news for you here at the top of the hour the fastest 15 brock heward is going to join us all of that in the next hour here on the dory monson show